Last week, like I said, we started our series on power from on high. We talked a lot about the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, it was speaking, is speaking in other tongues. And this week, I've been reading a book by, rereading a book by Brother Kenneth e. Hagen. Uh, it's a pretty thick book, but it is such a powerful book. It's called Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. And it's the last book that he ever wrote. As a matter of fact, it didn't come into print until after he went to heaven. And his staff, they compiled a lot of his teachings that he had done in prayer and healing school and different places. And it's just a fabulous book. But I've been rereading that since I've been in this series. And uh, I just want to quote some stuff that he said out of there about the Holy Holy Ghost. Yes, the initial infilling of the Holy Ghost is wonderful, but that initial experience is only meant to be the beginning. God has an entire lifetime of supernatural adventures in store for us as we learn how to operate in the realm of the Spirit. Doesn't that sound awesome? God is awesome. He has a lifetime of supernatural adventures in store for us as we learn to operate in the realm of the Spirit. You know, serving Jesus is not boring. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost is not a downer. Uh, some uh, One man of God, Philip Halverson, God mightily used him in the area of prayer in different areas. But him and his wife wrote a book called Adventures in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah! Without ever leaving their house, they had Holy Ghost adventures on their knees that took them around the world, praying over situations. Brother Hagin goes on to say this, Receiving the Holy Ghost is so much more than just an initial spiritual experience. I believe this is the whole crux of the matter. The point where so many believers miss it. They keep looking back to the day when they got filled with the Holy Spirit. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so much more than a one-time experience. The third person of the Godhead actually comes to fill believers with divine power that enables them to live their lives supernaturally from that moment forward. Are you getting his point here? His point is you and I are supernatural beings. We are citizens of another kingdom. You may be a citizen of the United States in the natural, but this is not our final home. And this is not where our true citizenship is. And because we are citizens of another kingdom, we have supernatural help. We have what heaven has to offer. Excuse me, what heaven has to provide. And one of the wonderful benefits of being a believer is that we can receive the supernatural gifts, supernatural empowerment. And one of those that we've been talking about is being filled with the Holy Ghost. And getting filled with the Holy Ghost, like Brother Hagin said, too many Christians, they may be filled with the Holy Ghost. They've had a one-time glorious experience, and then they just keep looking back at that and looking back at that. But it's not the ending point. It's the beginning point. It's just stepping through the door. In the church that I grew up in, we had 
uh, Sunday night service and every Sunday night we had testimony service. Anybody ever grow up in a church like that? And anyway, most of the saints, they would start out their testimony with, I want to thank the Lord that I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and on my way to heaven, which is awesome and good. But when you would look at some of their faces, you're like, I'm not sure they're filled today. And then some would say, I thank God I got filled with the Holy Ghost 50 years ago. But you wanted to say, well, uh, was that the last time you were filled? Is that the last time you were happy? No, when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's just the beginning. Think about what the Apostle Paul said. Have anybody ever heard of the Apostle Paul? If anybody could have ever said, okay, I had this experience with Jesus. I got born again. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. One and done. I'm done. It could have been him. But he knew the value of continually staying full. I like this about the Apostle Paul. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, he said this. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than y'all. He was a southerner. Yay. He said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than y'all. That's how it would have been written if it had been written in Oklahoma. But the apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. I believe he had some revelation. He had some experience with Jesus. Yet he said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. And he was writing that to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth were known for being a tongue-talking bunch. Yeah. They're the ones that First Corinthians is written, uh, written to. You know, he had to tell them, you can speak in tongues, you can have all of these gifts and speak and speak, but you got to have love. So they knew something about speaking in tongues. And he's saying to them, great, you speak in tongues, I speak in tongues more than all y'all put together. He knew the value of keeping himself built up. Amen. So tonight we want to look at some of the benefits. We can't cover all of them. We'll just highlight a few tonight. Some of the benefits that I don't always talk about, but seem to settle in my spirit that I should talk about tonight. The first one I want to talk about is praying in other tongues is a means of magnifying God. Now, if you studied the book of Acts, you'll see not only the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, but you'll see several uh, accounts where other believers were filled with this glorious experience. We're not going to read all of this right now, but let me just give you the summary of what happened in Acts chapter 10. This is an account of Cornelius' household. And the Bible tells us that Cornelius was a centurion. He was not a Jewish man, a Jewish believer. He was a centurion or a Gentile. But the Bible says he was a devout man. He gave alms. He went to the temple. He prayed often. He was hungry for the things of God. Did you know that wherever there is a hungry heart, God will show up. The Bible says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. I'm looking at a group of hungry people that will come out on a Sunday night in Hayward when the warriors are losing, you know, whatever. I don't know that they're losing, but they could be. Anyway. Oh. (laughs) 
Shame on you, pastor. He he happens to know. He has inside information. They're not losing now. For any of you that have the game recorded, he must have looked on his phone. But anyway. I'm following you. (laughs) So you're a hungry group. Group. Like Cornelius' household, they were hungry. So he's praying. And as he is praying, he had a vision. And God told him to send a servant to Joppa and to find a man named Peter. And that he would come and he would teach them the things of God. The biggest problem here was Cornelius was not a Jew and Peter was. And they did not intermingle in those days. But God, he not only was working on Cornelius' heart, but when he has a divine appointment, he works on both ends. So when Cornelius was over here praying, God gave him a vision. Peter, (coughs) excuse me. Yeah. Peter went up on the rooftop. I'm good. And he was praying as well. And while Peter was praying, he fell into a trance and he had a vision. And in this vision, this sheet came down. And this sheet was full of all sorts of what he called unclean animals. <laughs> You're trying to be real attentive now. Okay. Unclean animals. And while he saw this, the Spirit of God said to him, Rise and eat. And Peter, being a Jew, keeping the customs and the laws, he said, oh, no, Lord, we don't eat those. Just for all of you people that love ham and bacon and one that I am of, I am. I am a bacon and a ham lover. Anyway, the Jewish people didn't eat pigs, so I'm sure a pig was in there. Anything, all these unclean animals. No, no, I can't eat those. But the Lord said to him, you can read all this later. He said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. So while Peter is still pondering this vision, the men arrive from Cornelius' house. And Peter comes down to greet them. They tell them that he's been sent. They've been sent to go there. And you know what? It shocked the people that Peter said, I'll go with you. Because God had supernaturally dealt with him. So that's the backdrop of the story. So Peter and some of the other believers, they go over to Cornelius' house. And let's pick up the account here. And we'll read some of it in Acts 10, verse 44. So here they go, and Peter begins to preach the gospel to them. While Peter was still preaching these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That had to be a shock. The Holy Ghost fell upon them. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost sat upon them. And now he has fallen upon this group of believers at Cornelius' house. How many of you have experienced the Holy Ghost coming upon you? We don't live by experiences, but his presence is real and his presence is tangible. Sometimes his power comes upon people and they can't stand. Last Sunday night, we had some folks that were gloriously baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I know Terry was there with me. We could, we could see the power of the Holy Spirit coming 
upon them. He is real. He is tangible. So that's what these believers and Peter saw that day. And he didn't just show up in a small fashion. It said he fell on the entire household. And when he fell, this is what happened in verse 45. And those of the circumcision, those proper religious Jews, they'd been born again, who believed were astonished as many as had came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. We in our culture, I don't think we realize how huge this was. The Holy Ghost right in front of these devout Jews is falling on these Gentiles. Hallelujah. And it says they knew. See, they heard them speak with the same Holy Spirit that they had been filled with. Their spirit bore witness with the spirit that was upon them. You know, it's amazing. You can go to other countries, and we've done that a few times, and you may not be able to communicate with people in their native tongue, but I tell you, I've had some powerful prayer times with people that speak a different language, and you know what happens when we get in the spirit and we start praying in the Holy Spirit? There is that divine immediate connection and that immediate witness that we're praying the same language. We're both magnifying God. We're worshiping the same Lord. And even though we may not be able to understand each other's native tongue, we know we're in contact with the same living God. Amen. And that's what happened that day. They had a witness immediately. These guys are filled with the same spirit that we're filled with and notice that they also were very aware that they were what were they doing they were magnifying God they knew it they were worshiping the same God that they worshiped magnifying God when you pray in the Holy Spirit you know what you don't have to be concerned that you're speaking doubt and unbelief You don't have to be concerned that you're praying, uh, you know, words that aren't full of faith. You don't have to be concerned that you're not speaking edifying words about the Lord. When we get in the spirit, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, God is magnified. Tongues are the language of heaven and they always glorify God. They glorify his word, his provision. When we're praying in the other tongues, we are praying the answer, not the problem. Thank God for the ability to pray in the Holy Spirit and to magnify God. When we don't feel like it, we might be facing an insurmountable problem. And in our flesh, we want to magnify the problem. You know, there's a time, there's a place, and you need to pour your heart out to God, tell Him what you're going through. And, you know, you can do that, bear your heart, you can cry, you can weep, whatever, in His presence. But there's a point where you need to switch over, get into faith, start praying out of your heart, and magnify God more than the situation. What does a magnifying glass do? Well, make something bigger. 
God doesn't get any bigger. He's already as big, as big, as big can be. But you know, he can get bigger in our eyes. The more we magnify him, the bigger he gets and the smaller the problem becomes. So I encourage you, pray in the Holy Ghost and magnify God. You know what else it does? It magnifies God and it just shrinks the devil down to size. When our boys were little, there was that movie that came out. Me, she remembered this movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Well, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we can go, Ha, ha, devil, I shrunk you. God just got bigger and you got little itty bitty. We don't serve a little itty bitty God. We serve a great, big, awesome, wonderful God. Let's shrink the devil down to size and let's magnify God. What do you say? Amen. Another wonderful benefit. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, did you know that your spirit can get stronger? And the stronger that he is, the easier it is to live out of your heart instead of your head. Anybody ever had any trouble with your head? Your mind? Ever had any trouble with your emotions? We are a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. And if we don't keep our spirit man built up, guess what? Your body and your mind will want to take charge. Of the spirit man. But we can be stronger on the inside than those pulls of our body and our emotion. How does that happen? Well, this is the second benefit we want to talk about. By edifying our spirit man. In Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, but Jude 1.20 in the Amplified. But you, beloved, build yourselves up. Founded on your most holy faith. Make progress. Rise like an edifice. Higher and higher. Praying in the Holy Spirit. What happens when you pray in the Holy Spirit? You build yourself up. But notice it says you Build yourself up by you praying. Brother Hagin was doing a seminar one time. He's teaching on prayer. And he's talking about how the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. And he prays. And this one lady came up and said, You know, Brother Hagin, since I found out that the Holy Ghost is praying for me, I don't do much praying anymore. No. No. We got to yield ourselves. He prays. He gives us unction. He gives us utterance. But we're the ones that got to open our mouth. We're the ones that got to pray. It says here that when we pray, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. And did you also notice this? It's great to have other people pray for you just like we did tonight we're a family here we come alongside each other there's a wonderful corporate anointing here and we're always here to come into agreement with you there's power in that kind of unity and that kind of prayer but when it comes to us building up our inner man you have to pray your prayer buddy can't build you up No one can develop your spirit man for you. Just like this. Nobody can exercise for you. Wouldn't that be awesome? 
Man, I'd have, I'd believe God and I'd have a big stack of money and I could shell it out and say, see, here's 20 bucks. Go and do 50 minutes for me on the treadmill. Man, that would just be so awesome, wouldn't it? And and then I could look at Pastor Tom say, you know, my arms need to be built up. You look pretty buff. So here, here's 50 bucks. Go do 50 push-ups for me. Wouldn't that be great? No, nobody can exercise our physical body for us. And it's the same with our spirit man. Nobody can build up your spirit man except you. By praying in the Holy Ghost. And not only does praying in the Holy Ghost build up your spirit man. One translation says it stimulates your spirit man. That means to invigorate, to activate. Hallelujah. It'll wake you up praying in the Holy Ghost. It's better than Jehovah Java in the morning. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Activate. And then it said here also, what else did it say? Will cause you to rise like an edifice. Higher and higher. Cause you to make Progress. It will raise us up above situations. Raise us up above those lies that are bombarding our mind. Raise you up above the stress and the pressure that comes to all of us. People's, people have issues. You have issues. I probably have issues. You know? Not that I know of. Not, you know, not anyway. But when you deal with people and you deal with their issues, there's a temptation to go, oh man, look at all the problems they have. Or you can look in the mirror and say, look at all the problems I have. But this wonderful gift of praying in the Holy Ghost will cause us to rise above it. Make progress. Amen. It's like taking off in a jet. You can be on in a jet, you can look out the window and you can identify that's a car, that's a tree, whatever, as you're taking off. But the higher and the higher, making progress, getting up to that cruising altitude, what happens? Everything down here gets a lot smaller. And that's what happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost. You go, you make progress, like taking off in a jet. You're going up higher and higher and the things of earth grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Rise up. Stay focused upon him. And all those things that you thought, oh, that's so terrible and all of that, it's going to get smaller and smaller as we rise and as we make progress praying in the Holy Ghost. And again, the Apostle Paul, speaking of spiritual edification, he said over in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So what's he saying here again? That word edify in this particular passage could have been translated charge. He who speaks in tongues charges himself up. 
What happens? Nowadays, you know, we have cars that automatically go off and all of that stuff. But you might think, I mean, the lights go off. You might think you have it on auto and your lights are going to go off. But maybe some kid or somebody, you took it to the car wash and they turned it to on. And you get in your car, ah, the lights have been on. What's going to happen to the battery? It's going to be dead. And what do you have to do? Charge the battery. So this paraphrasing this verse, it literally could say, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue builds and charges himself up like a battery. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Did you know that there's a lot of Christians that have dead batteries? And if your battery is dead, you ain't going fur. You're not going to make it out of the parking lot. If your battery is dead in your car and too many Christians, their spiritual battery is dead. And you know what that causes them to be stuck. They're not going anywhere. They're not making progress. They're not getting where they need to be spiritually. And if your spiritual battery is dead, And you're not hearing, you're not in tune, you're not following those promptings because you're dead and it's not charged up and you're not fully connected. Then you know what's going to happen? Not only are you not going to get anywhere, but you're not going to be where he needs you to be. He can, if you're not connected and you're not charged on the inside, Guess what? You can miss some divine connections and glorious appointments because you don't have enough on the inside to get to where you need to be. Amen? So we're not going to miss our divine appointments here at Heart of the Bay. We're not going to get stuck spiritually. We're going to stay charged up and built up. We're going to make progress and we're going to make all of those divine appointments that he has arranged for us and those glorious connections. Amen. Because we're staying charged up. Hallelujah. Now, when you are fully charged, it's going to also help you in another area. It's going to help you to stay in the love of God. If you're weak on the inside and these opportunities come like they do to all of us, an opportunity to be offended, an opportunity to be hurt, an opportunity to get in strife. If you're not charged up on the inside, those things are going to pierce and those things are going to affect your spirit man. But praying in the Holy Ghost will also help keep us in the love of God. How many of you want your faith to work? Do you know the Bible says about this? Faith worketh by what? By love. So getting out of the love walk is really a big deal. But praying in the Holy Ghost is going to help us not only make progress, rise up, Be charged up, but help keep us in the love of God. Let me prove that to you. We're there in Jude chapter 1, 
uh, verse 20 out of the new King James this time. But you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. But in this, in this passage, what's the next phrase? Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I don't think that I had ever really connected those two verses. I always quote verse 20. I love verse 20 about keeping ourselves built up. But I heard a friend of mine that the Lord spoke to her in this passage. They were overseas getting ready to come home. They'd been on a missions trip and somebody was calling them and texting them and saying, you know, this person's saying this about you. That person said this about you. And oh man, you know, it wasn't nice stuff. And you know, really wasn't that kind of them to make sure they let them know that while they're over Overseas. But anyway, you know, just telling them they said this and they said that and they're accusing you of this. And they were getting all these messages right before they were getting ready to get on the jet to fly home. Ugly things. And so they get on the jet and she's sitting there and she's feeling like, ah, you know, attacked, feeling hurt, feeling wounded. Tears start streaming down her face. Her husband looked over at her and he said, you better start praying in the Holy Ghost. He said, because you don't want to take that offense. You don't want to let it get in you. And her first thought was, well, what good is praying in the Holy Ghost going to do right now? I want to say, they, I can't believe they're saying this. I want to say this and I want to say that. And immediately the Holy Spirit took her to this passage and he said, you know what? While you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're building your spirit man up, but you're also, verse 21 Keeping yourself in the love of God. What's the connection? When your spirit man is strong, not only are you not going to take that hurt and that offense, but you're not going to say those things your flesh wants to say. If you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you can't be praying in the Holy Ghost and at the same time be saying, you know that Helen, there's just something about her. She just never says hi to me. I don't think she likes me. No, if you're praying in the Holy Ghost and those thoughts are coming about Helen, you're not going to say those thoughts. What are you going to do? You're talking God talk. You're speaking the language of heaven instead. And you just stay in that place and those thoughts are coming, Helen this, Helen that. But the more you just let that heavenly language flow out of you in a little bit, you'll be saying, you know, I really love Helen. She's so beautiful. She's so sweet. Because your spirit man takes charge and not your emotions. Praying in the Holy Ghost keeps the power of our emotions at bay and in check. Because you're stronger on the inside than what those emotions and those feelings are telling you. Feelings are fickled. Has anybody else discovered that? God gave us our emotions. He gave us our feelings. It's good. It's great. But he never intended for us to live motivated by our feelings. 
if that's the case, you you could be married and you know one day wake up and you look at that wonderful person next to you or or they kiss you with that bad morning breath and your feeling goes, I don't think I feel very in love today. No, we're not to live by feelings and emotions. We're to live out of our heart, not our head. So praying in the Holy Ghost, what does it do? Helps us magnify God. Edifies our spirit, charges our spirit man up, keeps us in the love of God, helps us live in faith and not in our feelings. Praying in tongues does not give us faith. But this is my last point. We're not going to preach real long tonight. Praying in tongues doesn't give you faith, but praying in tongues can stimulate your faith. Again, the scripture that we just read there in Jude. But you, beloved, it could say this. Build up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's my version. But you, beloved, build up. Your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, praying in the Holy Spirit doesn't give you faith, but it can stir up the faith of God on the inside of you. There can be things that have been lying dormant in our spirit. Dreams, visions, purposes, things that God, giftings that God has put on the inside of us. And through the passage of time, we let those things slip. We've given up on them. We've said that's never going to come to pass. But as you are praying in the Holy Ghost, it builds up builds up your inner man it stimulates your faith and it causes you to pick those things back up to stir those giftings up on the inside of you and say no, no I'm not letting go of that, I don't care how long it's been, it's still in there and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm going to release my faith, I'm going to get stronger on the inside and I'm going to see this come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus praying in the Holy Ghost will rekindle it will revive it will it will restore it will reignite hallelujah those gifts and those callings glory to God didn't Paul say to Timothy he said stir up stir up stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you. Stir him up. Fan the flame. Hallelujah. Rekindle the embers. Keep burning. Keep burning. We talked about it. And we're going to talk more about it next week. The Holy Ghost and fire. Keep burning. Fan the flame. When you pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, my, my.